story about Jesus, about when Jesus was on the move, when Jesus was on the go. I want to look at a story about who he transformed a life. He transformed lives as he went about his business. He met and encountered some mother's son. My mother used to use the phrase, some mother's son. When she heard about somebody going through a difficult time, obviously a guy, if she'd hear about it, she had seven sons of her own. And if she heard about somebody going through trouble, or she heard that somebody had died suddenly, or if she heard that somebody had been maybe institutionalized or something, she would always say, that is some mother's son. That is somebody who matters to someone. He's somebody who matters in somebody's life. Do you know something? You're somebody who matters to Jesus. You want to say that to this morning? You're somebody who matters to him. When you cry out, he hears you. Amen? Amen. I remember a St. Valentine's Day. Let me tell you this one. I remember St. Valentine's Day. The first St. Valentine's Day that I can really remember was back around 1981. And my mother wasn't much of a crier. She didn't cry a lot. And that's fact, I can only remember a couple of times in my life when I saw her cry. But on this particular morning, it was St. Valentine's Day, 1981, it was a Saturday morning. There had been a dreadful incident in Ireland. It was Ireland's worst ever fire had occurred in Dublin at a nightclub in Artane, Dublin, called the Stardust. Some of you who are Irish will remember it or will know about it. And it happened on the 14th of February, 1981, 41 years ago, tomorrow. And remember, there was a major fire there, and 48 young people died at this, people in their late teens and early 20s. They died at this event as a result of this fire. And I remember we were watching a news report of it the following morning, and it was, on, it, was all, it was all over the TV, and suddenly my mother just burst into tears. She just began to weep. Suddenly, and, and of course, like, I can see my mother cry very often. I said, man, why are you crying? And she said, it could have been Catherine, my sister. It could have been Ian your brother. It could have been anyone we know. It could have been one of my children who had been at that party. And she had that sense of empathy that she could connect because she said, that's some mother's son. Someone is broken hearted today as a result of this. But when we talk about some mother's son, it can create a sense of anonymity. But that's not what I want to create. The person who's in this story this morning was not anonymous to Jesus, though we don't know their name. And you're not anonymous to Jesus. You're not a face in the crowd. You're not one of a big room. You're not one of a big global planet. You are an individual. And Jesus is interested individually in your situation and in your life. Amen. Amen. I want to read the passage of scripture. Before I get to it, I want to say this about Jesus. Everywhere he went, he brought life and he brought light. Everywhere he went, he brought light and he brought life. Everywhere he went, he pushed back against death. He pushed back against darkness. And John in his gospel, John's gospel chapter one, he outlines this very clearly when John is describing who this Jesus was at the very start of John's gospel. Here's what he says. He says, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. Amen. And he goes on to say that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not, cannot, will not overcome it. Amen. That's what will happen. The darkness will not overcome the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is what we're looking at in the story actually today. Light and darkness, life and death. I'm going to read from my Bible, uh, as I read last week, I'm going to read just seven, just seven verses, six verses in fact, six verses um, from Luke's Gospel, chapter seven. 
And again, as I said last week, I'm just going to read it very simply. It only takes a few seconds, maybe about 30 seconds less, about 25 seconds to read this passage. So let's give our hearts to paying attention to what God would say to us this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's give our hearts to hearing his word because his word has power. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, we pick up the story. Jesus has just healed the valued servant of a Roman officer. So there's a buzz around. There's a buzz around Jesus at this time. He's near the height of his popularity. It goes on to say this. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain. And a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village followed him. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. And then he walked over to the coffin. He touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And a great fear swept the crowd. And they praised God saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us. And God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Lord Jesus, we pray that your word would come to life in our hearts. As we look at it, as we think about it, as we reflect on it. Lord, bring hope. Bring light, bring life into our situations, we pray in Jesus' name. What a story. And the framing of the story is done so well by the writer Luke. The story is only recorded in Luke's gospel. And he frames the story so brilliantly. Jesus and his cavalcade, the joyous, excited, chattering crowds, they're praising God. They're coming along the road with Jesus. They've just seen yet another miracle wrought by the master himself, Jesus Christ. And they're heading towards this village, the village of Nain. Scripture records that when Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. There was a big crowd around them. They were excited. They were almost jittery. There was chatter. There was excitement. There was joy in this, in this procession that was coming towards the village. But as he came towards the village, something else happened. A funeral procession, procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. And I love it because here, written large, is life and death meeting each other. Here we have the confrontation of light and of darkness. And they literally face each other, almost like in my imagination, like a Mexican standoff. They walk up, the excited followers of Jesus, look what the master has done, look what Jesus said, Lord, what would you say about this? They're all full of chatter, and coming out of the village is the funeral procession, bearing the body. Now, in that culture, something should have happened. It would happen very often in our culture, historically, but even today it happens to a degree. When you came across the funeral procession, what should happen in that culture is this. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, you would stop what you're doing, stop where you're going, and join the funeral procession. 
So the expectation was these chattering, excited crowds that Jesus was with would become quiet, which I'm sure they did, and then they would fall in and join the queue of people and join the procession as it headed to the graveyard to lay the body down. And the reason they did this was very simple, to show respect to the dead, to show respect to the bereaved, and show respect to the reality of death, because to them that was the ultimate reality. The ultimate reality was death. And so it was acknowledging that, it was acknowledging the grief of the bereaved, acknowledging the loss of the person themselves. And so you have this fantastic situation, in my opinion, fantastic, maybe not so fantastic if you were there, especially on the morning side, where all of these crowds come together and they meet in the middle. And light and life, death and darkness face each other. And this is what it says. It lines out the picture of this funeral with three details. Here's the three details. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. He was a young man. He wasn't an old fella. He wasn't an aged and infirm man. He wasn't a man who had hit his 90s and lived a full, prosperous life and ended his days in comfort. He was a young man. And when a young person dies, it is particularly tragic. When somebody dies before their parents, it is just so out of order. We all know that. We know that sense of when a young person dies, there's just something exceptionally sad about it. However they die, by accident or whatever, or misadventure, however it is, when they die, it is so dreadfully sad because it's out of the natural order of things. The next note we have is that it was a widow. She was a widow. This was her second knockout blow in life. The first knockout blow, her husband dies. He passes away. We don't know what age, we don't know why. None of those details are filled in in this account. But we know this, this is the second blow that this woman has gotten in her life. And the third detail is that it was her only son, or her only child, which is a more accurate reflection of the situation. She was now destitute and alone, and brokenhearted, and in mourning, and lost. And no attending the one thing that no parent would ever want to attend, the funeral of her own child. It was tragic. Tragedy was written all over this situation. It goes on to say this. When the Lord saw her, Jesus, his heart overflowed with compassion. It overflowed. He looked at her. And in an instant, she wasn't an anonymous person to him. He knew her. He knew her sorrows. He knew her cries. He knew how broken and how sad and how upset she was. And his heart overflowed with compassion. No, it didn't overflow with sympathy. He didn't walk up and shake her hand and say, sorry, no troubles. That's what we do in Ireland at the funeral. What's sorry for troubles? And you just walk back. You get away from the mourning person as quickly as possible. It's kind of a fear, funny culture of funerals in Ireland. But here Jesus has compassion. In other words, he did something about the situation. He had compassion. This word compassion is only used of two people in the New Testament. Jesus and of the Good Samaritan. Those are the only two people of whom this specific word compassion is used. But we also see compassion in the story of the prodigal son. It says the father was moved with compassion and he went and embraced the son. We also read that Jesus had compassion on the crowds because they were tired and they were hungry. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he fed the crowds. He was moved with compassion. If you are struggling today, Jesus is moved with compassion in your situation. He will move his hand in your situation. Would anyone say amen? amen. amen. And Lovey says to her, 
Don't pray. What? Don't pray. What do you mean, don't pray? Don't cry. My husband is dead, and then my son is dead, and I'm probably destitute, and this is the whole situation, writ large, and Jesus says to her, don't cry. You know, when the Lord says this, he says, you know, you've read it in your Bible, I read it in my Bible, but he says, do not be afraid. Do you think he means be kind of a little bit less afraid? Do you think he means don't be that much afraid? No, but kind of just tone down the afraidness a bit like. Do you think he means don't be afraid? Wouldn't that be a radical notion? Not to be afraid? Well, when he says to her, don't cry, he's telling her, stop crying. There is no need to cry. There's no need to cry because that situation is about to turn beyond what she could ever possibly imagine. He wasn't just offering a nice cup, a nice hug and a bit of sympathy. He was offering his compassion. He was about to move in that situation. And then something kind of bizarre happens. Think something that nobody at the funeral would have seen, would have expected. So we've got the picture. We see the, the, the confrontation between light and darkness and, and, um, and death and life. We see that all coming in together. And then something happens that nobody would expect. It says this. He walked over to the coffin and he touched it. And the bearers stopped. He touched it. Just a little detail. We kind of go, yeah, he just touched the coffin. That's it. But that is so important in this because when he walks over to the coffin and he touches it, remember in this culture to touch an un a dead person would make you unclean. To touch their coffin would make you unclean for a day. To touch the body itself would make you unclean for a week. It was the worst form of uncleanliness that a Jew could experience, the touching of the dead. But you know something? Jesus isn't made unclean by our uncleanliness. He's not made unholy by our unholiness. When he touches the infection flows this way, not that way. This was Jesus. When you were with Jesus, it's holiness by association, by being near to Jesus. That's where the, he, the holiness comes from, not by being separated. Jesus walks over and he stops it. And do you know what he does? He interrupts the funeral. Imagine in that culture, he interrupts the funeral. They're going to the, like, Jesus, we, we have a place to work, we're trying to bury this man. He interrupts the funeral. And I just want to say this in front of all of you. I hope the Lord interrupts my funeral. I hope he comes and interrupts my funeral. Whenever that happens. Because I know this, he's going to interrupt my death. Because someday he's going to speak and I'm going to rise from the grave. And if you know him, you'll rise from the grave too. Because there ain't no grave but all my body Thanks be to God. That's all I can remember. 
said, I felt a funeral in my brain with mourners marching to and fro. Thank you, Emily. There's great hope there now, Emily. Thanks for sharing that with us. I felt a funeral in my brain with mourners marching to and fro. But I want to say this to you. By the Holy Spirit, there's some people here today and you feel a funeral in your brain. You feel a funeral in your soul. And you can feel the mourners marching to and fro. But I want to say to you today, by the power and in the name of Jesus Christ, your funeral is going to be interrupted when you see it. He will interrupt your funeral. Hallelujah. I suppose I have to carry on preaching. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Can you imagine going to any funeral anywhere in the world and somebody walks in and says, Young man, I tell you, get up. Imagine us all kind of going, Oh, wait for this. Wait for this. That's what happens. The dead boy sat up and he began to talk. He began to talk. I'd love to know what he said. It's like, Luke, why did you write down what he said? What did he say? Did he say, Oh, praise the God of glory? Did he say, You're starving, boy. I've been eating for a couple of days. What did he say? I don't know what he said. But the evidence in this story is that he began to talk. And there's one thing that Jews, there's one thing that Irish people, there's one thing that Germans, Americans, Russians, and even the mafia know that dead men don't talk. <laughs> He was alive. He was genuinely alive. He was really alive. This wasn't some fake spasm that he had in the coffin. He was really, really alive. Now what I want you to do for a second, bear with me, is put yourself into the story. You're either with Jesus, I hope you're with Jesus, amen? Amen. Or you're with the funeral procession coming out the door, and you meet in this situation. What do you experience when this rabbi, this Jesus, this prophet walks over, touches the coffin, says, I say to you, young man, get up, and he sits up and he starts to talk. What happens to you? Do you think you kind of go, actually, it's not really a small thing. You know, I, I, do, do you think that you might tell your children? No? Do you think you might tell your children? Children? I can tell you if I was at a funeral where somebody sat up and began to talk, I would tell everyone outside onto the street, come in, have a look at this. They will never forget this moment. I, I, as I was thinking about this story, I couldn't help but think about the guy who's carrying the body. So there's four guys, at least four guys carrying the body, and they stop, and then they can feel a movement up on the up on the up on the beer. The next thing they hear your man talking. <laughs> You'd kind of put it down fairly fast, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> and then this is what, they put down the beer on the ground. They put down, it's not the beer, no, it's called a funeral beer, the Caribbean one. They put down, mind you, if I was there, if it was Irish, if it was an Irish funeral, they probably didn't have a beer. <laughs> they put down the funeral beer. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Hallelujah. Yeah. See, that's what happens when Jesus is on the move. He gives back. He restores. He brings life and he restores what has been stolen, what has been taken, what is gone. And he will restore life to your body. Paul said, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken, bring life to your mortal body by that same spirit living in you. Hallelujah. He gives them back. 
to his mother. And that's a demonstration of Jesus' compassion. I like what Max Lucado, brilliant Christian writer, devotional writer from the United States, says about this particular story. And he said, Jesus didn't raise the dead for the sake of the dead, but for the sake of the living. He felt compassion for the mother. He wasn't really that worried about the boy. It was the mother is whom he felt for. It was for the sake of the living that he restored the dead. He did it for Martha and Mary. He did it for Jairus. And now he's done it for this woman walking out and living in the gates. Or living near the gates of Nain. Hallelujah. And what was the reaction of the crowd? The reaction of the crowd would have been the same as your reaction or my reaction if we had seen this. And this is where we begin to see it. This is where we begin to see life and death. Life and darkness confront one another but light and life always have the victory it says great fear swept the crowd both those who were at the funeral and those who were with jesus a great fear swept them and they praised god saying a mighty prophet has risen among us and god has visited his people today Amen. And they were right, and they were kind of wrong, believe it or not. It goes on to say this, let me explain the right around in a second. It says this, that the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. When God does something good in your life, testify about it. Tell the people you work with, tell the people you live with, when you get a deliverance, when you get a blessing, when you get a breakthrough, mm -hmm. tell the people around you about it, and the news about Jesus will spread in your area. Amen. But they were right and they were wrong about the prophet, and I'll tell you why. They say, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. Little did they know they were right about God visiting his people, because Jesus was God. He was God himself, incarnate in human flesh. But they were wrong about the prophet, but I'll tell you why. Because they would have known that in this area there had been two great prophets. Two prophets called Elijah and Elisha. And both of those prophets had done something amazing. Both of them had raised a boy from the dead. We read the story of Elijah raising the widow's son at Sarapath. You see the parallel? A widow's son. And when Jesus does this, he raises a widow's son. And he's demonstrating that someone greater than Elijah is here. And just down the road, five kilometers from this place, at a town called Shunem, or a village called Shunem, Elisha, that was Elijah's apprentice, he raised a woman's son. And that happened, it's recorded in 2 Kings chapter 4, he raised a woman's son just down the road. So they knew that great prophets raised the dead. But someone greater than those prophets was here no and this is what that illustration if you will it's a it's a picture it's a foretype of what jesus would do but there was one other slight difference between the raising of these sons and the raising of this son and that's this in both of these situations there was a ritual there was a prayer there was a process there was staffs involved i mean physical staffs there was cloaks involved Elijah and Elisha went through a major physical ritual to raise these boys from the dead. But Jesus only had to say the word. Because he was, he has the words of life. Amen. Hallelujah. See, Jesus, when he came along, he was greater. The people looked back in their history and they had some great people in their lives. But Jesus was greater and they struggled to accept some of them struggled to accept it but i want you to know today that the jesus that you trust in is greater
greater than any other human who has ever lived. Faithful or non-faithful, great or small, he is greater than anyone who had ever lived. And in this gospel stories and in the New Testament, we read about how Jesus was greater than Abraham, how he was greater than Jacob, how he was greater than Moses, the great Moses. We read how he was greater than David, he was greater than Solomon, he was greater than Jonah, he was greater than the Sabbath, he was greater than John the Baptist, and he was greater than the church. Hallelujah. Amen. That God who is at work in you is greater than life, is greater than death, is greater than your sickness, is greater than your trial, is greater than your tribulation, is greater than your trouble. He is greater. Amen. I tell you what, he's even greater than that. He is greater than time. He's greater than creation. He is greater than the world. He is greater than the angels. He is greater than the demons. He is greater than the darkness. Yes. He is greater than the devil. Yes. And he is greater Woo. than death itself. Yes. And if you wonder, what are all those people getting so excited about? They're getting excited about Jesus. Amen. And what Jesus has done in their lives. And what he can do in their lives by his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're, listen to what the scripture says. Jesus said it himself. This is what he said. He said, I assure you. I assure you. A time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When the dead will hear my voice. Uh, the voice of the Son of God and those who listen will live. Amen. They will live. Now if you feel a funeral in your brain, if you feel mournful in your soul today, if there's something dead in your life, listen to me. That thing needs to hear the voice of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what needs to happen. If there's someone that you love and you long for, whose soul is dead and is not interested in God, that person needs to hear the voice of Jesus Christ. Because I'll go further. This is what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, we were dead. We were dead. I was dead. You were dead. Yes. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We had distanced ourselves from God. But it says this, that God was rich in mercy brought us back to himself yes. through the sacrifice of the son Jesus Christ. Yes. We were dead and he raised us back to life. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you have a funeral in your heart? Do you have a trouble in your mind? Do you have a death in your life, in your soul, in your mind, and your experience? Well, do you know something? You're in the right place today. Amen. Hallelujah. You're with the right people today. You're with the right person in Jesus today because he is the one who imparts life. Jesus went on to say the Father has life in himself and he has granted the same life giving power to his son. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't we pray today and ask God to interrupt the funerals in our minds. Ask God to interrupt the funerals in our souls. Ask God to raise those things which are dead. It may be our hopes. It may be our prayers. It may be our hearts. It may be our souls. It may be someone we love who doesn't know Jesus and who is spiritually dead. How's about we bring them before the Lord today? Yes. Are you with me? Yeah. I'm going to ask the band, will you stand with me? We're going to say, we're going to declare who Jesus is. Before we pray, we're going to sing a song. Are you familiar with the song, Beautiful Name? You know the song, Beautiful Name? What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Well, I love the third, the third verse. It says, what a powerful name. Hallelujah. Yeah.
Would we worship God? Yeah. Would you raise your hands to make a little worship God? We're going to sing together.
you're here this morning and there's something dead in your life. You want to pray for someone who is dead. And I mean spiritually dead in your life. Someone who doesn't know Jesus, but you want to bring them before the Lord today and say, Lord, would you move in this situation and raise that person's life? Would you speak to them and let your voice be heard by them? If you've got someone in that situation, would you raise your hand also? Would you raise them up high? Let's raise them up high before the Lord. My hands are up. My hands seem to be up to every prayer these days. Lord Jesus Christ, let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are struggling today. Lord, with a funeral in their brains, Lord, a funeral in their souls, something has died, a hope has died, a prayer has died, faith has died, and they feel a funeral in their brains, something that they longed and hoped would come to pass, hasn't come to pass, and they feel like they're in a funeral procession, they're walking with death and darkness today. Lord Jesus, would you interrupt with your light, and with your life we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that light and life and death and darkness would clash in, the, in these brothers and sisters' lives, Lord Jesus, and that light and life would have the victory, we declare. We declare the victory in Jesus' name. We declare the one who is greater than our circumstances, greater than our situations, greater than our troubles, greater than our sadnesses, greater than our, uh, the things that hinder us or hold us up, is here in this room and is live in our lives. Lord, let your power be evident and release it to my brothers and sisters, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we pray as well for those, Lord, who are not walking with you, who don't know you, whose souls, whose spirits are dead before you, just like ours were before we knew you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that like it said, like you said yourself in John's Gospel, the time is coming when those who are in their graves will hear the voice of the Son of God and they will live, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would speak to them, Lord, that you would open all healing frequencies, Lord, that you would speak to them in a language they understand and through a person that they will listen to, Lord Jesus. Lord, they're sick and listening to us. We pray that you would speak to them in a voice they would listen to, Lord, whether that's in YouTube or Snapchat or Facebook or Instagram, whether it's on TikTok, mock, knock around, reading a book, whatever voice it is that they want to listen to Lord I pray that they would hear your voice and your life would be brought to their situation Lord and that they would be rejoicing in our hearts in our souls and in our lives at the wondrous things that you have